Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we can come and we can just say words. We can open up the book. But we, we invite you to make your word become alive. It's alive already. But, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to hear and give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to us. I pray that to the core, our very core, we would be challenged and stirred to be all that we can be for you. And, Father, I thank you for the people that are here this morning. There are people that, that God, that have come from Eunice to be here this morning. They're going to be part of Crowley. And there are those that are part of our, cam- our campus here that are going to go help Crowley and be a part. And, Father, we, we just, we're, I'm excited because I believe that, 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 God, you have something greater than we even expect could happen. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would help me to articulate all that you want to speak about what, what we're going to share this morning. And, God, what you want to do in our own hearts and us as individuals, I pray. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You know, last week we talked about we're just we, we talked about understanding the gospel, how it changes everything in our world, but yet how first it impacts us as an individual, but yet it also impact it, it it's the evidence. How does it impact us as an individual? It's like there's evidence. You know, I, it would be kind of like CSI coming the heavenly. It'd be like CSI coming and looking at your life and going, "Have they really changed?" And they put it through the microscopes and they do all these different things and they go, "Whoa, different." Not perfect, but different. They've been changed. How many of you have had people look at you and go, man, what has happened to you? And it's not the way you dress. It's not the way you look. It's, it's about what God has done inside of your heart, that you're a changed person because of Jesus Christ. You had an open invitation to say, God, have your way in my life. Speak to me. Let me li- be somebody that just is an influencer. And God, I pray that you would change my life. How many of you prayed that prayer and said, God, I need a change? And maybe you're sitting by someone this morning saying, you need to listen to this because you might need some change. And we don't have change at the end of the service either. That was a bad joke. Anyway. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about how the gospel impacts our church. We're going to talk about the gospel-driven church. And see, it, it is a, it, it's, it's fuel that drives our mission and our, and our vision. We exist as a church to reach people and build lives to make disciples and plant churches. And so what I want to do is I want to go over with you what it looks like and why we do what we do. How many of you know it's good to know the why? It's like, you know, okay, but what are we and why do we do what we do? So I want to try to explain some of that. And I want to bring you through the Bible and a few verses that just give you an idea and a picture. And so my desire this morning is like we're going through the travel channel. And, and, you know, it's like you don't know where the final destination is, but it's like a blank canvas. And I just want to paint the canvas so you can begin to see. Because church is not a little building with the lights. And it's not that little guy that painted light churches and all that. It's not like that. What is his name? Kendall or whatever his name? Whatever. Young Kincaid. It's not, that's not it. I mean, the real church, the church is you. It's not a building. It's not a cute little building. It's not a big cathedral. The church is you. So the gospel, a gospel-driven church is all about Jesus and people, not buildings and programs. You mean, I'll just say it again. The gospel-driven church is, is about, it's about Jesus and people. It's not about buildings and programs. First Peter says it like this. First Peter 2.5, it says, You yourselves, like living stones. That's who we are. We're living. We have life in us. 
okay, are being built up as a spiritual house. Or really what it, that house means is a family. Because that's where family dwells in a house. He's building this. God's all about building spiritual family. To be a, a, a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We love we love the world because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why do we love people? Because God loves people. And so it's a reflection of his own. That's exactly what, what we do. We give away his son to those who don't know him. It's like our desire is like, hey, man, do you know? Have you ever asked that question? Hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, do you know the Lord? What does that mean? In our culture, you know, I, I'll just say it. I mean, in our culture, oh, yeah, I'm part of first so-and-so. It's because I attend every week. It's not about attendance records. It's not about that you were born into a certain denomination. It's about do you really know Jesus in a personal, intimate way? Is he, is he, does he, does he have complete control over your life? What do you mean? that He doesn't press a button and you go, praise him, praise him, praise him. Aren't you glad? But he's given us all a free will that we're able to go, yes. How many of you are married? Come on, let me go. How many of you married in here? Come on, y'all better raise your hand if you're sitting next to your man. How many of you married? Okay, listen to me. If you're married, how many of you know that sometimes it takes a big choice to love your mate? Okay, I'm going to get y'all talking here in a minute. Yeah, I need y'all to preach. Somebody's waving a hanky back in the back. Praise God. <laughs> you know, surrender. All right. Sometimes, look at me, look at me. I want you. Sometimes. Just be honest. Sometimes I wake up with bad breath. It's like I've learned that because my little girl, when I go put her to bed, and I go, she goes, Daddy, you might want to go brush your teeth. So I go, well, Mama don't want to mess with that, so I better go brush my teeth. How many of you that sometimes they're just grumpy? Sometimes they're just in the mood, whatever mood that is. Sometimes they just, they're selfish. We got quiet in here all of a sudden. Am I, am I in the right house this morning? Sometimes it's just you just got to go, wow. I didn't know that about them, but man, my God, help me through it. Let me ask them. How many of you found out things about your mate after you got married to them that you did not know? How many of you wish you would have had a book to tell you everything about them before? No, no, put your hand down. I remember sharing with my wife one time. She goes, I never, you never told me that before we got married. You know, because sometimes we're scared to kind of open up who we are or some of our experiences or some of the hurts or the disappointments or some of the, you know, just the dysfunction in our life or in our family. You know what I'm saying? And then, then we, we go, I don't want to bring, I mean, I want to have the perfect marriage because I don't want to bring in all that luggage. But if you don't deal with the luggage and give it to the baggage keeper who's Jesus, come on. You bring that luggage with you. And so this morning, what I want to do is, you know, the gospel, Peter says this. He says, he says, 1 Peter 2, 5 says, you yourselves like living stones. What does that mean? See, the, we live in the world, and see, Jesus loved God, and he loved people. If you say you love God and don't love people, then truly it's questionable if you really love God. Because the Bible says, he says this, how can you say you love God but hate your brother? who you see, and you, you love God, who you cannot see. That's an ouch. How many have people that you have a real difficult time sometimes just even just liking 
Come on. Okay. How many have a difficult time you saying, Lord, why did you bring him to this world? <laughs> to build character in your life. It's true. You know what? I mean, let me tell you. Sometimes God allows people that drive us crazy, batty, stirs our moods. Oh, you know, you hear what I'm saying? Just provokes us to say things and do things that we normally wouldn't say or do, but all of a sudden we begin to realize that's in us. Hello? And God has to put people in our lives to get the junk out of us sometimes. Thanks for all those amens. You see, I just know this. That's why we plant churches. That's why we do outreaches. That's why we exist as a church, to show people that, that don't have love. They've never been told. You know, when I've done outreaches, I've done outreaches from the time I got saved. I've lived in, for eight and a half years, I traveled across the United States and lived in almost every major city. Lived in, I, I lived in soup kitchens. I lived in Salvation Armies. I did different, but we would go do outreaches in every major city in America. I went to 42 different states. And I could tell you, you name a city, I could tell you where I was. And I remember meeting people that I'd never met before. And the, the thing, because I grew up in a family where I was told that I was loved and I was adored and I felt special. But I met people that never was told that they were loved, that they were cared for, and never had a real demonstration of love. Because to them, love meant you had to give something up to get what they had. Hello. And see, when I look at Jesus, he said it's the free gift of God. That he sent his son as a gift, and he saw you in your, and he saw you and me in our junk and, and, and our inadequacies, our insecurities, and all that we are. And he came. He says, "I came and I died for you because I love you." Amen. It's the love of God. The Bible says it's the love of God that draws men and women to change their life. It says to repent, to change their lives, and say, "God." I can't, I can't resist that love. Your love is so great. I, and I see that the light of the gospel, the good news shining on my life. And my life compared to what your love is, it, i got to change. I see, that's what the church does. It brings in the light of God. And it brings in the heart and the presence of Jesus. Wherever it goes. See, I believe this, that God has called us to be a big footprint in the city of Jennings, in the big footprint of Crowley, of Eunice. And what does that mean? That means in this whole region, this whole area. You see, we love the world because Jesus, because God so loved the world. See, we, we don't care where we meet because church isn't a building. How many of you know that? Churches in a building. If you and I are standing in the mall talking about Jesus, that's church. If I'm standing in the park talking to someone about Jesus, that's church. If I'm, if I'm in a duck blind, and it won't be long, and, and, and we're talking about Jesus, and ducks are coming, that's church and glory. I had to bring that in there somewhere. Okay. It, that's what it is. Now, I mean, what are ducks, Pastor? But they have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit, all right? Just somewhere about it. We don't want to shoot the dove. Anyway, we believe that the church is people, and ministry happens in and through you and the place where you're at. Listen to me. Look at me. If you're at a job and you're a Christian, 
That means you are a lover of Jesus. You're a Christ follower. That means that the, where the church got its name, where Christian got its name, is like they were like little Christ. They saw him. And in, 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 when, when the Christians started going and sharing the love of Jesus and open up their homes, and people go, you're, you're like little Christ. And that's what Christian means, like a little Christ. That you're a lily, you're walking, you're loving, you're living like Jesus loved and lived his life. You see, Jesus, when he walked into town, it wasn't so much in the crowds that he saw. It was, Jesus was always looking for the individual. The woman with the issue of blood. It was, it was a lady. Okay? Blind Bartimaeus. Can, can, I, can, I, can I just go? The woman caught in adultery. Come on. The guy that was lowered from the roof and that was, that was crippled and Jesus prayed. It was always, Jesus is always looking. I love it. When, even last week we talked about little Zac, Zac, Zacchaeus. And on the way, there was blind Bart that he met on the way to, to, to the city, his, his destination. And he noticed him and he goes, he, he prayed for him. He got healed well. And then he goes in there, Zacchaeus in the tree. God's concerned about people. So that means God's concerned about you. When you walked in here, can I tell you something? It wasn't a surprise to God. He's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for this moment just so he could talk to you. Just so he could let you know that he loves you and he cares for you. And he understands your disappointments. He understands the things you've walked through. He understands things that you deal with. How many have things in your life that you deal with that you just hate? And you, gotta, you go, I got to give this to God. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't, pray for your pastor. You see, I believe this. You see, in the church, we believe the church is people. You are the church. You're the building. You're the building. And so this morning, before I go on, we have a video we want to show you about the church. Go ahead. So here we are, we're in the Rice Theater. We're officially 21 days from starting right here, having church on September 14th. And we've got teams running wild, running crazy, trying to get everything in place and trying to get everything in order. And it's been a hectic few weeks, but it's also been super amazing to see everything that God's already doing just here in the city of Crowley. And today what I wanna do is I wanna share a story with you guys about a couple that I've known for a long time. I've grown up with McKenzie for about 15 years now. I met Madeline about a year and a half. And I just want to share a story about what God is currently doing in their lives. And not only that, but they're actually coming to Crowley with us and it's going to be awesome. So McKenzie, you and I have known each other for a long time. We go way back. I mean, we've known each other, what, 15, 15 years or so? at least. We grew up together. We lit things on fire together. <laughs> we've done some crazy stuff. And here we are. We're about to plant a church in Crowley, and you guys are going to be an instrumental part of that. I mean, did you ever think that that day would come? No, no, not one, not one day. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? It's pretty awesome. What are, what are you excited about? Oh, I'm excited to see people being led to the Jesus and see my wife lead people to worship, and it's just going to be an awesome, awesome adventure. I remember about a year and a half ago, I was kind of starting to build a band, mm -hmm. and we needed a keyboard player. And so Mackenzie, at this time, you guys were dating. He's like, dude, my girlfriend is super awesome at keyboard. And at this point, I'm looking for anybody. I'm like, <laughs> anybody can just play one key. We will put them on there. And um, he tells me about you. So I call you. You come up. On a, you both came up yeah. throughout the week. And we did some songs. 
and I'm like, awesome, and I pretty much say, hey, would you play this weekend? And that weekend actually happened to be Easter weekend, correct? Yeah, so tell like, me about that a little like bit. Like, I've been going, this is like my, the Easter that I was going to play was going to be the third Sunday I'd been there, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> any of these people yeah. like when we went we sat in the back by the sound stage like i'm such like a shy to myself person then you were like oh why don't you play this sunday and then like two days later mackenzie's like did you know that easter's like the super bowl sunday of our church and i was like oh god what am i supposed to do in the very beginning Madeline was super nervous, anxious about getting in front of people, and worried about different things. I mean, what were some of the things that you had to encourage her in? Mainly on Sundays, it was just, I'd have to tell her that, you know, it's not about her, and it's not about anybody judging her or anything. It's just going to be about God using her and his talents that he's given her. And that, you know, once she got up there and started playing, that, you know, worship was going to flow out of her because she has a gift, and then it was going to get easier. And just after Sunday and Sunday after Sunday, it got better. And, and eventually yep. now she needs very little encouragement, even though, you know, sometimes she still... Oh, I'm still so petrified. <laughs> she still does sometimes. Like, and <laughs> during the countdown, I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I do this. I've been doing this for, like, almost a year and eight months. And then the countdown starts, and my stomach drops, and I'm like... <laughs> Okay, just keep breathing. You're not going to forget the words. And now that I'm going where I'm supposed to, like, the anxiety and the, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing, are still there. But it's, okay, God, this is where you want me. I'm going to go. I just need you to meet me, you know? To get where you want to be and what you know that God's called you to do, mm -hmm. you just got to do things that you're not necessarily comfortable with. Is that why you would say that you're coming to Crowley? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, there's definitely a longing and a desire to lead worship because like like singing and worshiping and being able to hear the whole congregation sing and know that God's pouring through me you know mm -hmm. it's not me but knowing that God is using me to help bring people closer to him and help sure. people deal with things is the most incredible feeling. Mackenzie, you've grown up in the Jennings Church for... Just as long as I've known you. Yeah, just as long. Almost since the beginning. That's been your, your church family, your church home. And so you guys stepping out, coming to a new city, a completely unfamiliar place with people you don't know, um, doing things that you've never done before. Like, Madeline, I mean, you're doing something that you've never done before. Like, you're going to be leading. Yeah. You know, not just singing. You're leading. And so, one, we're super, super proud of you guys and excited. And I think also it's just an incredible testament to it doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of times people allow an age to limit what you can do and what God can do through mm -hmm. you. I mean, you're what, 22? Yes. 22 years old, you're going to be leading worship. <laughs> if you could have people specifically pray for you um, about you going into leading worship here, what what would you want them praying for you about? Um, probably definitely confidence. Um, you know, the closer we get, I definitely feel like, you know, that's when the enemy starts to whisper, you're not good enough, or you're too sick, or mm -hmm. you don't know what you're doing. You know, and it's not like... It's just those little whispers and those little words of doubt. So just, I guess, like, protection from that. Sure. And just um, 
the ability and the wisdom to know what God wants me to do. If you've been praying for us and really trusting and believing that God's going to do an incredible work here in Crowley, we just want to say thank you. Um, we feel your prayers, literally. Um, we feel that you guys are with us and standing with us. It's just such a blessing to have Jennings and Eunice be totally behind us and encouraging us and supporting us. What's all about? Makes me want to cry. I think David and Dana, they know, and I know. And where's Mackenzie? Yeah, you're, you're a rascal, buddy. <laughs> there are many nights I remember being on my driveway talking to Mackenzie about the Lord or something him and Matt were doing. Actually, Matt and him were best friends, so you just never knew what those two were going to do. But just to see in the times when Dana would call me or David and I'd talk and we'd talk about Mackenzie, what are we going to do with this boy? And said, we're just going to keep praying. We're going to keep praying, keep praying. And Mackenzie, you're just a product of prayer. People that loved you, from your aunts, your uncles, your mama, your daddy, and people in here. And people that put up with you, too. And sometimes people would want to give you a knuckle sandwich, you know what I mean? But I love you, Mackenzie. I do. I love you, buddy. And you, you, you and, and Madeline... You know, when he told me he met you and you were going to get, it was like a quick thing. It wasn't the only thing. You know, what the Bible says, you know, and God did it quickly. Mackenzie got married quickly. And we were like, what? And, but he did right, Madeline. He did right. Didn't he, Dana? All right. He did right. And so, hey, let, let me just say something. He's just a product. They're just a product of people that prayed and believed and trusted. And that's what it's all about. And now Madeline, to see her up here and, you know, just I can see a whole no, new level of confidence come over her from the first time. Y'all, have y'all seen that? And I've had people go, hey, we, we're sending Madeline away. That's good. You know why? Because when you give your best, God brings return. So hold on. Because I believe that. And so this morning, let's go on. Part two. Number two. A gospel-driven church is not just a teaching center. It's a training center. And let me tell you something. That's why we don't come here just so you to sit on your buns. Come on. Or your blessed assurance. That we want you to be a part of what God's wanting to do. Ephesians said this. And he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists. And he said, and pastors and teachers to equip the saints. For what? For the what? Work. Come on, you can say it. Say it. The what? The work of the ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. So the gospel-driven church is not just a teaching center. It's a training center. And what apostles are, let me just give you a little quick. Apostles are people who are sent out and they're spiritual. They're sent out with a commission and they establish ministries or governing ministries or start works. And, and, and then a prophet is a guy, uh, it's, a, it, it's a guiding ministry. They, it refers to those who speak the word of God in the spirit. It talks about, you know, evangelists. It's a gathering ministry that bring people to find, you know, to find Jesus. They gather people. They just have an incredible gift. And pastors are people that, that guard, they're, they're guarding ministry. Those are those who protect the flock. From wolves and see, that seek to destroy people, that we tell the truth and proclaim it to bring protection. 
And a teacher is a grounding ministry. It, it, it's, it's, it's those that it gets people grounded in God's truths of his word. Amen? And that's what those offices are. And that's what those ministries are. So a religion-centered church is filled. It's kind of like the stands. Okay? But, and they watch the pastors play the game. Hello. Pastor, if you don't bring a good hot meal to the people of God, we're going somewhere else where they'll serve as a hot meal. Because it's about how I perform or how someone else performs. And that's really not what church is all about. And that's, how, that's what religion does. The pastor better perform because we're out here, we're spectators. It's like going to a football game and watching the coaches play rather than the players play. You see? And see, a gospel-centered church, you're, in, you're on the field. And the pastor, the pastor coaches you in the game. It's like, when's the last time you've seen, what's it, Sean, what's, what's our co- head coach for, who? Sean Payton. Sean Payton. I, I knew you Saints fans. Go on. And so, you've never seen Sean Payton go out there and get frustrated with the kicker because he missed the last three field goals and he runs out on the field. You ain't kicking. I am. Then <laughs> all the Saints fans are going, oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, man, we got one second to win the game. You put the people that are, have a strength. And that's their gift, and that's their ability, and that's my job. That's my responsibility as a pastor to find your gifting and go, go for it. Or you know your gifting and go, hey, this is what you need to do. You need to go for it. You need to get, get in the game. Well, I don't feel like it. Get up. There's some people I've called in the morning and said, if you get up right now, you can make it to church on time. Who's ever got one of them calls? All right, not here this morning. Okay, I see someone pointing to someone. All right, anyway. But see, our job as pastors is to create an environment where you can become all God has called you to become. Amen? That's what it's all about. You know, because you know what? You're a dangerous weapon in the hand of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a dangerous weapon in the hand of God. You are. If you receive the word, if you believe the word, if you trust the spirit of God, you're a dangerous weapon. Why do you think the enemy wants to bring discouragement, depression, put all these down stuff on you, saying who you are and what you can't do and what you'll never become? It's because he knows if you live up to the potential and you begin to believe the word, not just read the word of God, begin to believe on the word of God and begin to live the word of God, you're dangerous. You think gun smoke's bad when the guy pops the double doors open. That ain't nothing in the spirit. You're knocking the whole building down. You see, the, the incredible thing is the gospel, when people are, are, are convinced what God can do in their life, there's nothing impossible. The Bible says there's nothing impossible with God. God makes the impossible become possible. Now, whoever would have thought? I mean, think about it. In the natural? In the natural. Who would want to come to a church with a pastor named Bubba? <laughs> the Lord spoke to me one time, and this is nothing against the Ocelet family, but they're a good family. And, you know, there's a new Bubba in town. <laughs> the Lord spoke to me that one day. You ain't selling, you ain't peddling cars, son. You're preaching my word. There's a new Bubba in town. 
And see, I believe this is that our jobs as pastors, you know, it, it's like this. If you go to New Orleans Hospital where little Joel went for the first time, and, and what they did, what Lindsay and, and Josh began to experience there is that they don't just have one doctor doing things. It's a teaching hospital. Because what happens is they, when the doctor comes in, he's got 10 or 12 students standing around, and they're telling them what to do in this circumstance, and they're teaching them how to do what they need to do. So they're following him. Why? Because it's a teaching hospital. They're teaching them what to do, how to do it. And when, when you walk in this situation, how many of you have been trained to do a certain job, and you went through school, you went through college, you went through the training. When you got on the job, it wasn't anything like your training said it was going to be. They just look at things different there. One hospital takes care of patients, and the other hospital trains medical personnel how to take care of patients. As a church, we're a teaching church. We're a training church. We're not just a team, we're a training church. We're training you. Hey, why do we do outreaches? Because we care about people. Why, do we, why are we going to start another church? Because guess what? We're crazy. <laughs> I'd rather be crazy for God. What you been smoking? Not that stuff I used to smoke. Something much better. Okay? See, the thing is, is that we are, we, we're not just a teaching church. We're a training, we're training you to do ministry. We want you to do ministry. You see, the third thing is a gospel-driven church is more concerned with its Sending capacity rather than its seating capacity. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, look at Romans with me. It says, Romans uh, 10, verse 14 through 15. It says, so, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Listen to these words. It's Paul speaking. And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. If you want to have beautiful feet, lovely feet, share the awesome good news of the gospel and you got good looking feet. You may have ugly looking feet, but you got good looking feet to God. I know Jamie. How many of you know Pastor Jamie. You ever seen wear flip-flops? Okay. All right. We don't need to go there. But he ain't got beautiful feet. I promise you. And I love Jamie. But I tell you what, God looks at his feet and goes, those are beautiful feet. Those are lovely feet. Those are incredible feet. Because you know what? They, those feet walk to places where someone needs to hear the good news. See, that's what the gospel's talking about. And when you put, when you put your shoes on and you're bringing your feet somewhere... To work, to your family reunion, to, whatever, to a funeral, to a wedding, wherever you're going. To a party, a festival, because we have lots of those in Louisiana. Whatever you, wherever you're going, you have feet that bring you places. And when your feet get you there, it's time for you to, okay, okay God, is there anything you want to say to me to get it through me? To share with people how much you love them? Then I'm willing See, God wants us to be like a vessel. 
that can be poured out. When people bump up against you, whatever in you comes out. You've seen me do that example. Whatever's in you is going to come out of you. And so, are y'all awake? Okay, I just want to make sure. And so, see, and that's the thing is, how can we, how can we believe that God would bring a life-giving church unless we go? Unless we tell them. Unless we show them. That's what Zach and Claire are going to Crowley. Look, I can't be everywhere all the time. I'm not the bionic man. I can't, you know, preach here and run the Eunice and then, by the way, run the Crowley. I can't do that. And so why do we do what we do? Because we raise up spiritual sons in the house that can go and be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever we sent them. When you look at the word of God, you just go look at the book of Acts. Paul's sending Silas. Paul's sending the Paul. I mean, there are people that are being sent and going where God wants them to go. And see, I believe this. God's sending you somewhere, and you got to figure out where that there is. And see, Jesus took 12 ordinary guys, uneducated fishermen, tax collectors, and he poured his life into them th- for three years. And Jesus called them, discipled them, and then what did he, he do? It's kind of like a catch and release program. You know, when I go fishing, I don't like to release. You know what I mean? I mean, put it this way. everybody in South Louisiana don't like to release anything because they know it's food. All right? You know what I'm talking about? That's why they have rules. They know that, listen, if you go to Colorado and you are from, they see a Louisiana license plate, the game and fisheries over there, they follow you. You know why? We have a reputation. We do. We just have people in Louisiana. I mean, you know, it's like Jeff Foxworthy. He's married to a Cajun. He said, listen, as long, people in Louisiana will never starve as long as they have ditches in Louisiana. <laughs> See, what if, what if Jesus had, had, let me just ask you, what if Jesus had kept them so close, so inward focused that they never left and the gospel was never advanced? He said, guys, no, I'm staying with you always. Don't go anywhere. This is between us. We got the holy huddle, man. Come on. One, two, three, let's go do nothing. (laughs) It's true. Too many churches value the comfort of their ministries. Let me just say, too many churches value the comfort of their members over the salvation of their neighbors. Can I just say that again, if I can? Too many churches are more concerned about the comfort of the people they have in their church rather than their neighbor that's going to hell. And see, that's why we go. We are commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to go therefore. Where's the therefore? Therefore's Crowley this week. Three weeks. Therefore comes alive. Therefore, therefore. You find out all everybody from Crowley going to be standing there going, okay. This is what we're there for. What are we going to do now? You're going to find out what you're there for. It's people. I had someone call me this week. He was from Crowley. He, needed, he just needed, wanted a job, some food, and everything else. And, and I was out of town. I said, man, I, I got the perfect guy for you. He's going to call you Monday. He's called Pastor Zach. That's his jurisdiction. You see, OSC is not one 
See, we're not one of those churches. As, a Christ, as Christ followers, we have no right to keep for ourselves the gift we do not earn. Can I say that again? Listen, I'll just be honest with you. I've had some people say, man, we're, Madeline, we're so good. What are we going to do? Give her away. Look at me, because she's not ours. She's God's. Why do we have to send Zach and Claire and their beautiful little children? You know, why they're not going to live in Jennings anymore? They ain't that far from us. It's not, it's not like the last time you ever see Pastor Zach. He'll come back. He'll come say hi. We send the best. I remember when Pastor Jacob came, he said, look, he said, we're starting a church here in Jennings. And he said, I'm sending you the best that I have. And it's Bubba and Tracy. When we, when we were ready to start our, when we started our church and I couldn't keep going back and forth and back and forth all the time, you know, because we, at that moment, we just didn't, you know, I, my guys were too young to go anywhere. Hello. They had to mature. They had to grow. So I was going back and forth. And God just spoke to me. It's time for Jamie. And Jamie's desire was, man, one day, pastor, you think I'll ever pastor, be a pastor? I said, don't you ever let a man tell you no. Amen. And he's the pastor. And when we installed Jamie and Cheryl there, I looked at the church there and I said, we gave you the best we got. We gave you the best. See, we want to share the gospel both across the street and across the world. Across the interstate and across the bayou. Come on. Across the rice field and the soybeans. And there might be a milo field in between. See, you can't... Let me just, let me just say this. Let me give you a good example. You can't steer a parked car. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? When a car's moving, it's easier to steer, isn't it? And see, even if you're going in the wrong direction, it's easier to turn around and get in the right direction. But I'm, I'm just saying, you're not going to discover your calling and gifts if you stay parked. Thanks for all those ouches this morning. God don't want you to put it in park. And he don't want it in neutral. He wants it in drive. And you get over, you let him drive and let him take you on the journey. And it's called life. Amen? Jesus ain't my co-pilot. He is the pilot. And the last thing, we're a gospel-driven church. A gospel-driven church is the hope of the world. What do you mean, Pastor? Why, why are we planning our Savior's church in Crowley? Why are we sending a bunch of our leaders and resources and money? You know, Pastor John, listen, it's not our money. It's, it's not my money. It's not the church's money. It's, it's, it's kingdom money that you've said, you know what, we trust we're going to believe. And we're going to go out and reach. That's why we did the reach for them, So we could go out and reach. And so I'll just say this. I'm so proud of all of you. We've given over $72,000 and counting. To, so they could go there. Listen, when Tracy and I came, this is the gospel truth. Pastor Jacob guaranteed me $1,000 a month. How many of you know with four children, you can't make it on $1,000? He said, I'll do that for a year. Okay. And then we had people, because I was traveling, I had people that I told, and they were going to support me. And they supported me monthly for almost two and a half years, some. 
And then I wrote a letter to everybody and said, you don't need support. The church can support us. So not only was I doing that, but I was doing other things for the church in Broussard. I was doing the, the campuses uh, for, the ch- uh, for the school campus, public school campuses. I was doing Wednesday nights sometimes. I was doing a bunch of stuff. And I was doing a discipleship school. And trying to pastor over here. And how I many you know, that's almost $1,000 in gas. <laughs> but you know what? Someone had to go. And if it wouldn't have been me, it would have been somebody else. Because look at me. There's better people than me that have going to come. We're the hope of the world. The church is. Not me. Not Zach and Claire. Not Josh and Lindsay. Not Jamie and Cheryl. The church, you. We are a church planting movement. We will continue to plant, plant the gospel through churches. That's what we're going to do. If Christ is in us and we are the church, then we're the hope of the world. Whether you stay here in Jennings or Eunice or you go to Crowley, you know, you and I have been invited to play a part of the greatest story ever told. Because can I tell you something? In heaven, the book of Acts is still being written. It is. It's being written right now. It didn't end with Paul. Man, I have a book at home. It's called Martyr's Mirror. It's about this thick. It weighs 25 pounds. It's a book. And it talks about all the saints of God. Even after Paul and the Gospels. And it talks about every disciple, what they did. And their disciples and their disciples all the way up to 1700. It's called Martyr's Mirror. It makes Fox's Book of Martyrs look like toilet paper. That's all I got to say. And that's a great book. I'm not here to down a classic. But Martyr's Mirror. It's incredible. My kids, Andrew used to read the picture, the, the stories. I remember he'd get and he'd look at the pictures in that book and, and he just and can I just tell you something? Can I tell you something? That's like I am gonna tell you something. Why do I have to ask you if I'm gonna tell you something? And it's at this point that I just I feel like I have to share something with you. Is that okay? And this, and this is it. And then I'm gonna we're going to do something, and then we're going to call it a day, all right? Look at me. Put your pens down, your papers. I just want you to look at me, okay? Come on up here, baby. Yeah, you. <laughs> She's holding the baby. She's going to, like, shocked her out of her system. Come here. I just want to say this. This lady has put up with me for 30 years. <laughs> Is there anything you want to say? No? Okay, I didn't think so. You know, in order to do what we we got to do and what God has called me to do is, let me just say this. I'm not leaving the church. 
But I am saying this, God's given me the assignment that I know that I would have. And I've told you, how many of you have been with me a long time and said, I'm not going to look for another church to, to go to or another movement? How many of you have heard me say that back in the day? Remember that? All right, I'm not going anywhere. But my assignment and what God's called me to do has changed. But what does that mean, Pastor? How many of you want to know what it is? Okay. Okay, the rest of you, you don't, okay, well, good. We'll end the service and no. Okay, here it is. Let me just say this. Let me get to the quick. God has called us to be a church planning group. And so in order to do that, what I'm doing is I'm going to start traveling between the campuses. And so what we're doing today is that we're going to install Pastor Josh and, Lin- and, and Lindsay to be the campus pastors here in Jennings, Louisiana. Come on. Come on up. Come on. Come on, Joel, man. You got your parachute. He's going to land somewhere. We're installing them. And if you know the story, listen, I'm not here to... Josh and Lindsay, I've known Lindsay. Susan used to write me letters. and give, She was one of the ladies that supported me for years. And she'd write me Lindsay letters, pray for Lindsay. Remember that? I'm, sw- I'm Susan, am I lying? Stand up and tell people I'm telling the truth. Telling the truth. All right. <laughs> Lindsay Seed, that's what it was. It was Lindsay Seed. And look what Lindsay Seed did. That's who she is today. Seed. It was planted. And Josh, he'd been with me since the beginning. He lived in a barn that swayed when the wind blew. Him and Earl. You remember that? Those are the day. I mean, but you know what? You know, pastor, what does that mean? You know, it's like, what is a campus pastor? I, I wrote some things down. They give time for people. They're the on-site leader. They're on-site. They, they work with me, the lead pastor. I meet with the campus pastors at least once a week. We meet on Tuesdays. And we get together and we pray. And we talk about what we're going to do in each campus. Decisions that need to be made. It gives them responsibility to counsel, to shepherd, to lead, to invest, build teams, work on strategy, vision, policies, structure. They champion and cheer you on and support the ministries and the teams of you, the congregation. They lead staff, leaders, do community meetings, outreaches. Well, Pastor, what do you do? I'm there to encourage them and to go and to help plant more campuses. Because guess what? How many of you know that Pastor Josh, Pastor Zach, Pastor Jamie could go lead any church in America and preach like they're from another world? Come on. And I love Josh and Lindsay. Where's the microphone? Somebody bring a microphone. Because I know Josh, he's going to say something. I know he, he got something in him. But I love... Here's one of the biggest compliments I've ever got. I get a lot of times. Well, you, you know, your son, Josh. Now, his mom was telling me I am his daddy. So, okay. Okay. I'm not his natural dad, but I'm his spiritual father. And you know, the crazy thing is, and we were talking about this a while, but I'm going to say, the crazy thing is, listen to me, Jamie grew up with no daddy. Okay. He had a daddy later on, but growing up, he never had his daddy. Pastor Josh's daddy abandoned him when he was 
18 years old. And then I became a father to him. Now, Zach, he's been stuck with me all of his life. I am his daddy. And so, if I can't go, who better to send but my sons? Amen? And who else is better to do that? So, that's why we do what we do. And Pastor Josh, whatever you, whatever's on your heart, man of God, you or Lindsay, you want to say anything? <laughs> She's got the spirit of Tracy. Actually, while we were sitting over there, Joel kept saying, I want to go on the stage and talk. So, you got something to say? I like sandwich. He likes sandwiches. Just want to let you know. Feed the child. He's hungry. It's lunchtime. (laughs) Keeping it spiritual. Uh, It's just a joy to be here. Uh, It's a joy to serve here. Pastor Bob and Miss Tracy have been, uh, you know, mom and dad to us and have uh, walked with me through teenage years and uh, my 20s, now my 30s, and hopefully many more decades. And, uh, you know, it's just been a joy to, to, um, to be a part of the church from the Holiday Inn with me and Pastor Bubba going to Wednesday Bible studies, and it's just me and Pastor Bubba and nobody shows up to where we are today. And... Um, it's been a journey that's been unlike anything other, and I'm better before it. Our marriage is better before it. Our family is better for it. Uh, all the stuff that we've walked through in the last two years, we wouldn't have been able to walk through without this family. And then uh, I think God is setting us up as a church to reach a region like we've never reached before. And, um, you know, as as the... We've poured 14 years of our lives into this city, and God's given us more influence in the last year than he did in 14. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I told Pastor Bubba, I, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay here because I know God's giving us favor here, and God's given us influence here. And it's just a, a joy for us and fills our hearts with joy to lead such amazing people and um, to partner alongside. And as Zach said, not to do it alone. And, you know, the gospel, unfortunately, makes you have to say goodbye sometimes. And, uh, I mean, Zach and Claire are our best friends. And, uh, <laughs> whew, it's hard. But I'm so excited about what God's going to do this year through our church. Mm-hmm. And specifically Jennings. Um, it's just such an honor. Such an honor to have a man who trusts you and gives this weight to you, which it is a weight. But, uh. Man, it's just a joy. It's a joy to pastor you. It's a joy to lead here, and it's a joy to, uh, to, to know that our greatest days are ahead of us. And uh, we're just now touching the surface of what God wants to do through this church. And so uh, thank you for being a people that's joyful to, to walk with and, and love and serve. And uh, the Bible talks about how as a pastor, you know, you need, your pastors need to serve you with joy. Well, we do. And, uh, and so thank you to Pastor Bob and Ms. Tracy. We stand on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it is, it's, a, it's an honor to be here and an honor to do what we do. And when we see this boy healed, we will stand up and Amen. declare it to the world as we all do. Amen. And so thank you for uh, standing with us. Thank you for standing with us and, and know that we are standing with you. And um, together we're going to see a region reach for Jesus like no other. And, uh, and so let's, let's get to work.
Amen. You know, Let's I think it. about that song when you were saying it. It's a, what a day it'll be when we all get to heaven. What, you know, what rejoicing we will have. And what rejoicing it will be. Because guess what? It was all worth what God spoke to us anyway. And so people, Pastor Bubba, what does that mean? You leaving? No, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be around. I'm a, you got to put up with me a little bit around here. I'm going to be preaching, but I'm also going to be in Crowley. I'm going to be in Eunice and others beyond. And so I just ask you to pray uh, for me. I'll be, I'll, I'll be here next week and all that stuff. So, but I'm excited. Can you hear me? I'm excited for Josh and Lindsay and for what God is going to do through them. So can, can I, come on, Danny. I want some of you guys, Zach, Claire, you know. Andrew, come on up, Betty. You've been around. Some of you guys are leaders, and I don't, I don't want to point you, but just come stand around Josh and Lindsay, and, and you know who you are. If you want to be a leader, just come stand behind them anyway. And uh, we're just going to pray. And the rest of you, just put your hands toward this way. It's a different service today. That's okay. Amen? But uh, come on. Come on. Father, we thank you so much for Josh and Lindsay and the call of God that's upon their lives. God, we rejoice. Lord, yet, like Josh said, sometimes it can be a thing that we, we, we love it, but man, we're going to miss things. They're just not going to be the same, but yet, God, they're going to be greater. And Father, I thank you for the wisdom that you've given Josh and Lindsay, the spirit of wisdom. God, how you've given Josh a, a spirit of just organization. He has organizational skill that not many people have. And Father, we pray that God, that it wouldn't just be something that he does uh, in his head, but God, I thank you that even this past few years, how you've changed their heart, how you've broken them, but yet God, in the breaking, you've, you've just poured a sweetness over their spirit and over their hearts. And we, we just love them and we affirm the call of God on their life. We thank you for, God, the things that lay ahead for all of us. God, not just this campus, for all the campuses that, God, that are now and the campuses that will be. And, Father, I pray that, God, that you would just come and that you would just, even right now, right now, divinely, like never before, I just pray they would just sense a mantle, a new mantle, a new mantle of God, a new mantle of responsibility, a new mantle, God, that they will just embrace in all that you want to do. And everybody in Joel said, Amen. Hi. <laughs> Let's give it up for them. Come on.